You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 88. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. This week's guest is John Roberts. John is the general manager Eastern Hemisphere at the Woolmark Company. John has nearly 30 years of experience in the wool industry, having worked in a wide range of industry sectors from primary production to processing, marketing and trading. Welcome to the show, John. How are you today? Oh, thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. It's uh, good to be here. Excellent. Well, I only gave a very brief introduction, which doesn't give all, you all the credit of the 30 years of uh, your career in the wool industry. Um, so please talk a little bit more about yourself and tell us what you do in the wool industry today. Okay, sure. So uh, today, um, as you rightly said, my, I'm a general manager of the Eastern Hemisphere for the Woolmark Company, or, which is a subsidiary of Australian Wool Innovation. Um, And essentially, that means I, I look after basically Asia and the subcontinent. Um, and our offices there really do a number of different um, things, including um, obviously marketing and promotion of wool um, with, with fashion brands and designers. Um, but also, we do a lot of, uh, depending on what market it is, we do a lot of work in um, process and product innovation and education about the wool industry. Um, so that's my most recent role. In, in the industry. I've been here for about two, two and a half years now. And go a little bit back in history. So maybe what were the highlights of your career so that people understand your vast background? Okay, well, I mean, I, I really, I started in wool, um, essentially as my, my, my mother's side of the family were all wool, wool growers from the southern highlands of New South Wales in a little town called Bynalong. Um, And really, I always had an interest, and um, I really I started in the wool industry uh, as a as a shipping and administration clerk, uh, and then I, I, eventually they let me out to go and actually look at wool and start buying wool and valuing valuing wool for um, for for subsequent processing. So I did that for a number of years, um, and then uh, eventually the company I was working for was bought by BWK Bremervol Camerai. Um, And I, so I was lucky enough to then look at wool, not only buy the wool, but watch it being processed and understand what it can do. Um, um, and following that, um, I, I became involved with Elders, which is the, the largest Australian agribusiness here, uh, and who bought um, BWK. So I was then given the opportunity where I was able to actually uh, be an interface between primary producers of wool, wool growers, Uh, and of course, um, and, and, and also the, the buyers of their wool, the manufacturers, um, and both in, in Germany with our top making plant there, but also eventually when I started to do greasy wool trading. Um, so I managed to, I was lucky enough to then start selling wool all over the world to a number of different markets. Um, so that's, that's been a, it's been a, it's a pretty one dimensional uh, view of the world, been wool, 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 but I'm very happy about that. I love wool. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, and, and you've seen pretty much all parts of the trade, so that gives you a lot of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, and this 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 current stage um, in my in my career is certainly a, a new 
part of the supply chain to me, working with um, fashion brands and uh, fashion designers and retailers. It's 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 a it's it's the, the complete other end from where I came from, and it's a, it's a steep learning curve, but it really completes the picture for me, which is which is great. Yeah, and do you feel that you also, with your knowledge, can add um, value to when you talk to designers, etc.? Well, I think I think um, it's fair to say that most designers that we talk to love wool and they like wool. They love its drape. They love all the characteristics of it. But they're probably not necessarily um, understanding um, where it comes from. Um, they know it comes from a sheep, but until you've actually seen it or felt it or worked in a shearing shed, I think that is sort of a bit uh, intangible. Um, so, yeah, I think I think my experience has allowed me to uh share some of that that that, that industry um supply chain experience and, and that some of that romance from the farm side of things if we push up the supply chain so yeah it's been it's great i think to be able to to um, harness both ends of the supply chain mm. i like that expression you, ju you you just used the the romance um, of the yeah the beginning of well, the <laughs> i mean it's, it's amazing elizabeth these days how um how interested people are with the origin of it. Um, so, I mean, the amount of people we now deal with um, overseas at, at, at the retail end who actually want to come out to Australia, see a shearing shed, see a flock of sheep, touch them, feel them, smell a shearing shed, all these things. It's, it's amazing. Everyone wants to get closer to that source now. And uh, it's, 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 uh, we've spent a lot of time hosting delegations out here in Australia now. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit more um about your role as the general manager Eastern Hemisphere, uh, which makes you responsible for the Woolmark offices in Tokyo, Seoul, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Mumbai and Hanoi. So tell us a little bit more about these offices and what exactly is the goal of these offices? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, every office is different, as you can appreciate. Um, if, if we look at, uh, I'll to give you two extremes, I guess if you look at Japan, I mean, Japan is a is a market that's very familiar with wool. Uh, they know the Woolmark logo. They associate it with excellence. Um, I think they're about the third biggest uh, user of consumer of wool per head. Um, so they're, they're not. We don't need to necessarily convince them that wool is good. Um, but we don't have a lot of manufacturing left in, in Japan. So most of our team and their skill set in the Tokyo office is much more around uh, fashion and retail. Um, and, and, and doing collaborations to promote wool and promote new products. Um, if you look at a market like China, uh, that's a bit of that's a bit of a mix. You've got both. You've got both there. You've got it's, it's obviously a, a massive manufacturing hub, taking 80% of the Australian wool clip. Um, so they are a huge manufacturer of wool and processor of wool, but they're also a very very uh, big consumer of wool and a very discerning consumer of wool. So our workload there is split kind of 50-50, uh, as is the skill set of our staff. Uh, we f you'll find that a lot of we have a very strong technical team there who work on new processes, new, uh, new innovations and in products. Uh, and, and then we also have a very strong marketing and PR team there who are working with all the, all the latest brands and the, and the, and the, um, the pinnacle of the, the, the fashion, fashion trade up there. So, You know, it's that's different. India again, uh, another big manufacturing hub, but also huge retail opportunities. So, we structure our teams differently in every market to to suit the needs uh, of those of those areas. 
Okay, and um, so the goal is then just to make sure that wool is promoted and is that also a lot of innovation is happening. Is that kind of the two things? Yeah, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I think. Look, lot, most people know wool. They're familiar with the logo, the Woolmark logo, obviously. But a lot of what we're trying to do now is change people's perceptions about wool. So it's not just old world wool. It's it's a, it's a new and contemporary and very versatile fibre. So in a humid climate like in India, we um, where you think it might be difficult to promote wool, um, it actually we talk about the breathability and the functionality, the odour management, the moisture management. So we um, we have a lot of educational forums in that in that sector at a consumer level, um, but also at a manufacturing level to try and help people understand the benefits of wool and how it can be used in a humid climate. Um, obviously, in some of the colder climates, people understand that it's, it keeps you warm and, and so that functionality is readily adoptable. But, um, so it's, yeah, it's very much about trying to inspire people uh, and connect people um, on the best ways to use wool, but also where to access it, how to access it, uh, and then, of course, how to promote it. Okay, and you talked about Japan, China and India. Would you mind also speaking a little bit about South Korea and Vietnam? Yeah, okay. Well, look, um, uh, South Korea uh, is a really exciting market. In fact, I would say it's probably one of the most influential markets in Asia right now um, with its, the K-pop uh, market, of course, has a huge influence uh, in, in Asia but also in Europe. Um, and there's a lot of very young and influential uh, designers there like Junjie uh, who are um, really, uh, really help us um, change people's perceptions of wool. Again, moving away from that old world perception of just the traditional suit to now contemporary fibres, smart casual, K-pop wear, um, and then of course into the sports area where there's a lot of manufacturing in Korea, particularly in knitted sneakers, Uh, but also in, in, in um, sports and next to skin. Um, so that's a really exciting market for us. We've only got a small team there, but I see huge growth opportunities. Um, if you want to talk about Vietnam, um, that that's a very exciting market. Um, we, five years ago, six years ago, we we've had no real um, penetration in that market at all. We... Um, Uh, since then, we started uh, what we call the Out of Vietnam campaign in 2012, and, and that was primarily working with supply chain partners, teaching them how to how to incorporate wool into their into their product lines, um, and, and that's been highly successful. Today, we've got more than 90 supply chain partners. Um, so, and that's that's in spinning, it's in weaving, it's uh, also in a lot of circular knits. And in flatbed knitting as well, um, uh, so that that's been a really exciting market. But what's particularly interesting now is, I mean, if if you go to Hanoi these days, I mean, it reminds me of um, really when I was in China, living in China in 03-04. You know, that there is a really strong emerging middle middle income bracket there who are becoming increasingly discerning, and and really interested in um, uh, trying to Uh, what we call do some conspicuous spending, which is basically spending that may actually um, improve their image, uh, 
make them look more affluent um, and, and really try and fit that, that aspiration that they're all trying to achieve at the moment. So it's a, that's a, we're doing a lot of work now in the retail end in, in um, Hanoi as well, trying to start working with some key designers and some key retailers up there. Okay, that sounds really interesting. And yeah, you, you seem to have a lot of different um, angles that you always have to look at in different countries. So I'm sure your job yeah, is very varied. <laughs> yeah, there's no, um, there's no one size fits all. Mm. And, I, mean, that's, I think that's also why we, we split the globe into Eastern and Western Hemisphere because the Western Hemisphere, my, my counterpart there, who's based in Paris, Stuart Ford, I mean, he's, He's from a marketing and retail background, and that's obviously the, most of our work over there is in that in that sector. Whereas in Asia, uh, my background is more processing and trading, which is probably a bit more uh, well suited to to Asia and and the, and the subcontinent. Mm, yeah, and you kind of gave an overview of these Asian markets now. Can you also give a little bit of an outlook of how you see the wool industry develop over the next years in in Asia? Yeah, sure. Um, look, uh, I'll start with China because they're obviously the most significant. Um, but I think, you know, what, what we're seeing in China is this... Um, when I lived in China in 2003, 2004, 2005, um, there was blind face in a brand. Whether it was a Burberry coat or a Prada bag, it didn't really matter whether it was a copy or not. It was, it was about having that logo or that brand... Um, front and centre for everyone to see. Uh, whereas today, uh, as as China becomes more affluent, they're becoming more and more like some of our European consumers in the sense that they're much more discerning and much more caring about um, where the product came from, was it natural, is it biodegradable, these sorts of things, um, which obviously plays really well into wool's hands. So... Um, <clears throat> And I, I, we're, really, we're really seeing that uh, more and more. Uh, and that's why we are seeing so many Chinese delegations or in, from anywhere, really, wanting to come out and understand the source and the origin because they want that story of provenance and they want that story of traceability. Um, so I, I think for, for wool in, in Asia, and I'm using China as the, the leading example here, I think, um, I think Asia is well and truly ready to embrace wool um, um, because of all its natural characteristics and this, this desire for provenance. It's, it's the same in the food industry. They want food security. They want to know where their beef's from, where their lamb's from, where their milk powder's from, and, and the same goes with fashion. And you see that as a general trend then also for the other Asian countries? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think... Um, I think You know, Japan would be more advanced uh, in that area because they're, 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 more, they're further down that track uh, and they've got a long association with wool and, and finer products. Uh, Korea would be close, reasonably close behind them and, and China's catching up very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And in regards to manufacturing, how do you see the industry develop there? Yeah, look... I mean, it's often been said that you need to build factories on wheels these days because uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, the change in labour costs or uh, environmental treatments and things like that is uh, is, is constantly on the move. Um, uh, my, my own view is that I think China has really cemented itself as a very 
very good processor of of um, of wool and 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 fine wool as well. Um, you know, 15 years ago they were really just doing 21 micron and coarse, and now they're doing the the full range and they're doing it really well. So, and whilst labour costs and um, and uh, environmental constraints from the government have got you know very strict in China, so the costs have gone up. I don't think that the, the uh, man- that's going to disappear as a manufacturing hub anytime soon. Um, in fact, I think given the amount of money most of the remaining Chinese top makers have invested uh, in their manufacturing and in their effluent treatment, I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think anyone else anywhere, anywhere is really interested in in trying to. Uh, uh, take that on at the moment. Um, if you look at a, a country like Vietnam, um, yes, they've got plenty of water, so they, you could argue that they could scour wool quite well. But I think they're they're much more interested in in processing um, the middle stage of the processing. So I'm talking about really uh, spinning, weaving, and, and, and knitting, um, which they're very good at. I don't think they're necessarily going to go and start um, building effluent treatment plants for wool scours and things like that. So I, I think that the, 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 the existing factories um, in China are only going to get stronger um, and, and they're going to consolidate more and more. Um, we'll see upstage processing increase in emerging markets like Vietnam and possibly Cambodia uh, and Laos. Um, Japan are going to they're not going to get any bigger, I don't believe, as a processor. But the ones that have stuck, stuck with it are going to um, are, are going to do quite well because they, they make beautiful yarn, beautiful product. Um, so yeah, look, I think I think you're just going to see a bit of a consolidation. I think some of the smaller people may disappear, uh, and you might start to see a little bit of a drift into Southeast Asia. Okay, and do you also predict a drift into Africa from Asia, or? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're already seeing that a bit. Um, I know uh, Yangguang or Sunshine Group. Uh, I know have already uh, made some inroads there. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's certainly a possibility. But it's going to be, you know, it, that's going to be a five to ten year drift. I, I don't think it's thing. This is not something that's just going to happen um, straight away. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge on the region you're responsible for on Asia. And uh, But there's another topic I really want to talk about, and that's a very exciting area. Um, you are in charge of the Woolmark Resource Center. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that's uh, that's our Hong Kong Resource Center. Um, and we, we set that up two years ago. And, and basically... What that is is it's a it's a um, it's a wool showroom. Um, it's a wool meeting place uh, for the global industry. Um, what we've done there is we, we, we've got a wonderful location in the in the rag trade hub of Hong Kong, in Kowloon, um, and it's beautifully situated amongst most of the uh, sourcing houses for most of the global brands. And the idea is we want as many people to come there as possible and learn about wool. Uh, we showcase all our new products there. We run education centres there. We also just make it a free office for people within the industry to come and use it. Um, it's an open plan, um, agile office. And 
We also uh, use it as a, as a place for to, to showcase our uh, the Wool Lab, which is our um, trend forecasting uh, catalogues. So it really it's really designed to um, educate, inspire, and connect people uh, to, to to wool and the industry. So we've got it might be spinners, it might be weavers, it could be fashion designers, uh, it could be uh, sourcing uh, sourcing staff from various brands, uh, and and, uh, and it's also educational institutions, a lot of the textile institutions, design students, wool growers. Uh, it's a place they can all go and visit and, and spend time to learn more about wool. Yeah, and I had the chance to visit your resource center during the IWTL Congress uh, in May this year, so it was really impressive to see it. Um, let me ask you a few more questions about it. So one thing you mentioned was that it's located in the RAG trade area of Hong Kong? What does that exactly mean? Oh, rag trade is just a, uh, a slang term for, for the textile industry. Um, um, and it's just a term that's used in, in uh, English a bit. Uh, it really just talk, we would talk about the, the, the fashion industry or the garment industry. And that's where most of the, this part of Kowloon is where, where most of the, um, those global source uh, brands would have their sourcing offices. So we, we made sure we positioned ourselves right there rather than being on the island because um, we, wanted, we wanted the actual people who are doing the buying, doing the sourcing, uh, doing the designs, putting together the, putting together the collections, all the SKUs. We want those people there coming and looking and learning about wool. Okay. Yeah, okay, thanks for explaining that. And maybe can you kind of try to take us through the resource center so by kind of explaining because i remember there were like different areas where you could look at different exhibits so can you maybe take us through some of those so that we get a better idea of, of what would typically be shown there yeah well i think um at the moment we've we've we um we're always trying to showcase our latest innovations and that might be um finished products or it may be uh, middle stage products but so I mean for example if you were to go into the uh, Hong Kong Resource Center this week um, you would probably see um, one one corner would be our, um, our knitted sneaker area which is um, which is a flat a flatbed knit that we're doing uh, and we've, we've been using that technology with brands like Adidas or Adidas um, and Puma and Under Armour To develop knitted sneakers, um, and that's a, that's that's a very exciting um, uh, process we're working on there. Um, another corner we've we're working on some of our next to skin base layers, which is not necessarily something new, but what's exciting is that um, it's it's only 18 and a half micron and finer, and it's more exciting the fact that we're working with some really exciting brands. So we're now doing base layers for uh, snowboard companies like Burton, for example. Um, where, um, and a lot of run, uh, run um, attire for, for some of the, the brands I mentioned before, like Puma and Adidas. Um, then uh, another part is our outdoor, our outer shell um, areas where we've got uh, what we call the Optum fibre or the New Lana fibre, which is, which is a um, very tight weave that we do um, Uh, up in Nanshan, we've developed this technology with, in, uh, with Nanshan in, in northern China. And basically that is a chemical-free, tight knit, um, which is basically windproof and water repellent. 
Um, and that's a, that's a really exciting outer shell that we're doing, which you know, really takes on the likes of Gore-Tex and these sorts of things and obviously has wonderful environmental credentials as well, being chemical-free and biodegradable. So there's, I think some of the, the, the prototypes we have there are, uh, have been showcased and actually commercialised by companies like Devolt. Um, so that's another area. And then, of course, in the fashion sector, we've, uh, we did a wonderful collaboration with uh, Max Mara last year in wool denim. Um, highly, highly successful for them. Um, their sell-through figures were very good. Um, but they also, it was a great, it was a great innovation um, and great to work with Max Mara, who's a wonderful ambassador for us, um, and put this new wool denim product in, in the marketplace. And so you'll see those sorts of examples as well. Yeah, and it was true. You, I kind of felt like I just wanted to take each of those garments with me because they, yeah, they really were inspiring and and something everyone who loves wool yeah. would want to have. So, and I especially like yeah. that that water repellent uh, jacket. That yeah, it's um, great stuff. Mm. Um, and the other thing about it is, you, we want to we want people to go in and be inspired by those kind of products. But then when it comes to the to the nitty gritty, and they actually say, well okay, I now want to make that product or I want to source that product, then that's the next step. That's how we introduced them to the wool lab where we showed them the swatches and things like this and they can say, well, that's the swatch I like. Where do I get it? Okay, this is the, this is the factory that does it. This is where they're located. This is the contact person. This is the price per meter. So it's all about inspiring and then creating that connectivity to allow them to actually then create and commercialise. Yeah, no. We try to make it as tangible as possible. Mm. And can anyone just visit the resource center, or how does it work? Hey, I, I, I'm trying to push as much traffic through that resource center as possible. Um, we're very open. If, if people have got an interest in wool, a genuine interest in wool, give us a call. <laughs> um, call, call the resource center. We'll be very happy to host you. Uh, we, we do get about three to five hundred visitors a month. Um, so we, I would certainly recommend people um, uh, ring us in advance. You can all the details are on our website, and uh, and make a booking to come in and see us. We'd love to have anyone who's got an interest in more. Excellent. Okay, and you chose Hong Kong um, and not another city. I mean, you explained why you're in this one region within or area within Hong Kong, but would there be potential also for other resource centers and other cities? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they're not they're not um, they're not cheap. These resource centres. Um, we chose Hong Kong because it is the global sourcing hub for for most brands in the world. Um, but that said, you know, we, we are certainly looking at ones in Europe uh, and also in the States, um, just because um, we want to create more awareness and it's a great avenue for us to educate people. It's just about getting the balance right between floor space and traffic. Um, We have opened a uh, wool education centre at Donghua University in Shanghai just um, three weeks ago. And uh, that's, uh, it's basically the same as the resource centre, but much smaller, and it's in the university campus of Donghua University. Um, and that's really a place where, again, anyone can visit there. Um, we've got The good thing about that is we've got... Um, 400 uh, textile design students all there ready to come in and learn. But we also invite fashion designers and, uh, and brands to come in there too in Shanghai and see that. So 
To answer your question, yeah, we are looking at it, but we just want to make sure it's the most cost-effective way for our wool growers. Yeah, no, understandably, yeah. And, well, thank you so much for sharing everything about the Resource Center. I think it's very exciting, and I would encourage everyone to really, as you said, who has a genuine interest to check it out if you are passing through Hong Kong. Um, to close our interview, uh, I always like to ask also like a personal question. So can you share with us one of your most favorite moments during your career in the wool industry? Oh, wow. Um, look, I, I think uh, a number of years back, uh, I was involved in um, holding the first Australian wool auctions in China. Um, And that was a that was a, a real thrill. We we had uh, when I was working for Elders, uh, we used to, we brought our catalogue and all our samples up to China. We put a show floor up in the Nanjing wool stores, and we conducted an auction in Mandarin. Um, and to see to see the Chinese uh, buyers being able to look at wool firsthand and look at uh, the different categories um, rather than just their standard government type list and actually develop their own types and their own way of buying wool. I thought that was a really, really exciting evolution. Um, and it's something I was, I was really quite happy to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exciting. But uh, who spoke the Mandarin? Like, you have people... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we all, we all fumble our way through it ah, the best we excellent. can. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Okay, well, where you mentioned a lot of things today. If listeners want to find out a little bit more, where should they go? Oh, look, I think uh, you can go to the AWI website, um, Australian Wool Innovation, um, and uh, you can go to the Woolmark section of that if you're, if you're looking um, for a more international-facing uh, aspect of, of our business. Um, there are other other uh, areas in the website that are more farmer-facing, which may or may not be relevant. But, uh, yeah, I think our website's probably our best option. Again, by all means, contact our Hong Kong Resource Center uh, if you want to visit. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you so much, John, for your time today. And I, we, before we started the interview, you mentioned that you actually, because you're responsible for all these offices, you have to travel a lot. So I appreciate that you had the time today to talk to me. And all the best for inspiring the designers of the future to use more wool. No, no, thanks very much, Elizabeth. Well done. Thank, Thank you. Thank you and bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this interview with John Roberts. If you want to find out more about the work of John as well as the Resource Center, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 088. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 088. All the links that we mentioned in today's interview will be listed there among with other information. I wish you all the best. Thank you for listening and bye for now.